Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice is always conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom. My co-host, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. Hi, Casey. How's it going? So this is our first Zoom recording. We had to uh, quarantine this week. So hopefully we uh, get through this with one, one uh, quick shot and there's not a whole lot of editing involved, but we'll see. Our, our first Zoom, list of first. Another first in the year of 2020. <laughs> I'm surprised it took this long, though. I feel like everyone else was having to do this uh, months ago, and somehow we just managed to, uh, to do this at the, hopefully, the end of this COVID period, although it's, it's probably more in the middle of it. This podcast is the year-end financial checkup, and we call it year-end because there's certain things you probably should do at the year-end by December 31st, as opposed to waiting into the new year. When I think of planning, I think year-end planning mostly evolves around anything to do with the tax return because you can't change most things after December 31st. Uh, beginning of the year is typically more about budgets and, and um, uh, you know, savings rates and, and maybe some portfolio allocations, obviously. But uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things with, that have a time stamp uh, now. Uh, one of those is, would be our charitable giving. Yeah, well, you know, uh, around the holidays right now and uh, Christmas time, uh, everybody's, uh, you know, charitably inclined and, and looking to give. Um, there's some options that can really help you out uh, planning wise. Usually during this time of the year, uh, you're able to uh, gift cash to ch- certain charities uh, and receive a 60% deduction of your adjusted gross income. With the CARES Act and for 2020, um, you're actually able to receive 100% of adjusted gross income for that. Um, that that's for just cash distributions for appreciated securities. You still get the the thirty percent AGI deduction, and that's if you're actually itemizing deductions. A few years ago, they increased the standard deduction. So a lot of individuals don't even uh, itemize deductions anymore. Uh, but if you were, there's planning opportunities for that. For those clients that take the increased standard deduction for 2020, you're also allowed an additional three hundred dollar above the line deduction for charitable giving. Um, so you'd write a $300 check or give $300 in cash and save their seat uh, to a certain charity and you would get the $300 deduction above the line. If I'm understanding this correctly, our standard deductions is $24,800 a year for a married couple. Right. If you don't have enough deductions to get above that number, then you're not going to itemize your tax return. So if you wrote a check for $3,000, you may not be able to deduct that on your tax return because you didn't get above the standard deduction. Right. Right. The advantage to you is you can write a check for three hundred dollars this year and get the deduction. Where in prior years you you cannot do that. And that's that's this year only for right now. That's correct. That, that's a CARES Act, uh, as well as if you were itemizing, you get the increased amount this year as well. So that this is a, a twenty twenty CARES Act deal. They're trying to uh, put a little more money back into the consumers' pockets. Yeah, uh, and then if you were itemizing, so you're above the twenty four thousand eight hundred deduction, then Essentially, uh, in that category, you could write off 60% of whatever your highest tax bracket was. So a $50,000 donation would equate to uh, roughly $12,000, or I think it's like $12,800 deduction on the tax return. Not the full 50, but you are getting uh, reduced income tax because of that. Right. Okay. And that's how they usually would occur. And then, like I said, for this year, it's actually the 100%. So... Um, you know, if you have some charities that are really top of mind, 
this would be the year to actually uh, give as much as you're capable of and really would like to. And in the end, that's why they're doing it. They know that people need help. And in my opinion, the best people to help locally are the people who are on the ground locally, not the federal government. We don't need more government programs. We need more people locally looking out for the people around them. Our last podcast with Christy Betts is a great example of that. Our podcast earlier this year with Orrin Checkmate Hudson is another perfect example of that, of local people running nonprofits. 100% of your money goes to the cause and allows a lot of people in need uh, to be helped. And you know, $300 may not sound like a lot, but when it's a very efficient charity, such as the two you mentioned, that $300 is the difference between rent one month or food, you know, one month or fixing the car to go get a job one month. I just saw a post on Facebook from Christy. Um, Someone needed $233 to have their car repaired so they continue to get to work. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that three hundred dollars would, would go a long ways, absolutely. And 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 they're a five hundred one c three, so you can't give it to someone who's not a charitable organization uh, in order to get the deduction. You know, th- there is the option of uh, donating stock as well, Matthews. I, I know you probably want to talk about that. Uh, that's right. You could, uh, if it wasn't cash, you're able to uh, gift appreciated securities. Um, it's a little less, so um, you'll get a deduction up to thirty percent of your AGI. That currently remains unchanged, but. That is always an option where you could gift uh, appreciated securities. Out of your IRA, if you're 59 and a half, there are also some options where you could uh, gift to a charity um, out of the IRA. And if you're 72 and a half or 70 and a half, and this year 72 for RMDs, you could do what's called a charitable distribution or QCD. You're able to utilize your RMD and give that to a charity. Uh, it satisfies your RMD requirements, but you're not going to pay income taxes on the distribution. There are no required RMDs this year, but that's a great uh, technique for future years too, obviously. Correct. HSA deductions, right? We can still give there, or it's not really giving, <laughs> giving to yourself for the future. Right. You can still do your own contributions. Um, you know, HSAs, you get the deduction on, it's got triple taxation benefits. So you get the deduction on your contribution, it grows tax-free. Then we pull out the funds eventually for qualified expenses, it's tax-free as well. So there's some, some good benefits to that in the future, but also right now with the deductions, go ahead and, and increase those deductions. You can in- contribute up to $7,100 this year as a family or $3,550 uh, as an individual. So there are a lot of good options there or with 401k contributions, uh, pre-tax contributing into a uh, a 401k traditional or maybe IRA? Yeah, with the 401k part, uh, if you're working for an employer, you have very limited time as far as how many payrolls are left at this point. But for our uh, entrepreneurs, uh, people working for themselves, no employees, a solo 401k, you still have the opportunity to funding that to the max, which theoretically could go up to 57000 if you're over age of 50, it can be a little higher than that. But that, that's a great opportunity if, you, if you've had a good year. Some of our, our client base have great years and others are probably having uh, some of the worst years they've had in a long time. It just depends on what industry you're in. If you're not able to increase that to the, the max, you can always just increase a little bit more to make sure you're getting uh, your company match fully. Some people only do a couple percentage points and they realize they're actually not getting the full match. So at least making sure that you're getting the full match for your company with your contributions. All right. So that's uh, number one on our list is charitable giving. Number two on our list actually has um, 
uh, it, there's not a deadline for it necessarily, but rebalancing the portfolios, uh, looking at a, the market, we've had great returns this year. There are some lagging asset classes. There's some lagging stocks, obviously, but as a whole, uh, it's been a great year. I think we're up over 17% year to date, somewhere in there in the S&P. Yeah, ironically, it's, you know, with everything that's happened, it's ending up to be a pretty good year in the market. And uh, history will, will show it being a very strange year. Um, quite often, people will look at their portfolios at year end. So it comes, it's very timely now to talk about it being last month of the year. You know, I think most people will start out with the idea of having a certain amount in stocks and a certain amount of bonds so that they create their own little risk reward ratio within their portfolio. When you have appreciated assets such as equities this year, growing at a faster rate than your fixed income or your bond investments. If you look closely at your portfolio, investors might find that they're more in equities than they had thought they would be at this time. As an asset management firm managing assets for individuals, we keep very close tabs on our asset allocation. Other investors may need to take a close look at their, their allocation and look at the percentages that they might be comfortable with. Let's take an example of a 60% equity portfolio and a 40% fixed income portfolio. Throughout the year, if the equities have grown greater than or faster rate than the bonds have, they may find themselves at 70% in equities and 30% in, in fixed income. As an investor, that's great. That's what you hope for. But as a true long-term investor with a goal in mind of say retirement, what you'll wanna do is reallocate those assets back to 60% stock and 40% bonds and start out again next year in the same manner that you did this year. Sure, you may pay some taxes on that, but what's the other side? You're selling assets, in this case equities, that have gone up in value and you're buying assets that haven't grown as fast, such as bonds on the other side. And what's that called? That's buying low and selling high. Yeah. As an investor, that's what we want to do. And it's not just uh, stocks and bonds. It could just be within the stocks. You could have a certain asset class like large caps. It's outpaced foreign. So you would sell some of the stock and and, and the large cap and move it back to, to foreign, right? That's right. That, that's an option. I, I think a lot about real estate. Real estate's been kind of left behind this year. And it's a good long-term asset class. It's not something that I don't think people sh should be avoiding, uh, but now is an opportunity to be able to buy in at, at lower prices for the, next, for the next 10 years. Exactly. You're buying low. When the values are low, you're taking advantage of that. There are dislocations in the marketplace, it's referred to as. So great opportunity to take a look at your portfolio right now. And if you've got uh, growth stock versus value, value has lagged growth this year. That's another opportunity. You're basically taking off the Apples and the Microsofts, you're shaving off some earnings and you're moving them back into the Cokes uh, and the Pepsis and, and the more, uh, uh, the Southern companies, the more quiet uh, stock sitting in the background, which still have a long ways to run. Well, good quality companies will continue to grow, albeit at different rates. Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about portfolio tax efficiency too. If you're going to be in there to rebalance and and the portfolio, we got to think about what are we invested in? If, 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 we're, if we're in a brokerage account and we own a large cap mutual fund, that fund manager has been buying and selling all throughout this volatile year. And those capital gains get passed directly to the investor. Even if you bought the, you just bought it in November, you're going to pay the capital gains for the entire year. 
even though you didn't own it the entire year. Now, to be clear, this is what the fund manager is doing, not what you're doing as an individual. If you bought it, you sold it. When you refer to tax efficiency, you're referring to your ability to control the taxable outcome in that time period. Correct. So it might be time if your portfolio is a little uh, aged or maybe it's being run by a firm that, that still thinks it's 1980, it might be time to start looking at some of those mutual funds and converting those toward uh, exchange-traded funds, ETFs. Uh, ETFs have a very unique creation redemption process that would prevent that from happening with the capital gains being passed through. It's not guaranteed, but the best funds, State Street, BlackRock, Vanguard, those type large entities, they're able to control that. And so it might be time to start moving out the old manager and moving in a more modern approach to, to investing. That's right. And you know, Casey, it's entirely possible that in any mutual fund that an investor may have, they may see a a loss in value over a period of time, but still find themselves paying taxes on a capital distribution that the fund manager pays out because there may have still been appreciated assets in that fund that they sold in order to buy something else. And that is passed through to the investor. You can kind of work this in uh, portfolio transition also with tax loss harvesting. Talk to us about that. Well, tax loss harvesting is recognizing losses and securities that you own. And it's utilizing that to your advantage so that you can take that, it's called harvesting, that tax loss and using that on your tax 1041 tax return at the end of the year, 1040. So the idea is to look at your portfolio down to the individual security level and to see where you have may have some investment set of loss value. And if that's the case, you could go ahead and sell those and buy back a similar, not identical, but similar security so that you can continue to participate in the growth of that asset class. We had some examples that you shared earlier on the upside, such as technology has has done very well this year, and you mentioned Apple and Microsoft. On the flip side of that, energy has had a very difficult year this year. The Exxons, the Chevrons, et cetera. That doesn't mean that the industry is no longer a valid asset class, It just means that this has been a period that they have struggled in. So by utilizing tax loss harvesting in this example, you could sell Exxon or you could sell Chevron if this were the case and buy a similar security. Now, what's a good security to buy in this instance? You could buy the ETF that covers the entire energy sector. You have to hold it for at least 30 days in order to get that tax loss validated on on your tax form but after 30 days, you can buy back the Exxon, the Chevron, the individual securities that you have been following over the years and you want to continue owning your portfolio. I'd almost argue you give up the ghost and you uh, move to something more uh, uh, beneficial for the next 10 years. But, but no, that is a perfect example of, of, of that one sector. A retail is another one I was thinking about. Um, if you had a retail stock, maybe you buy the retail ETF while you take a loss in that particular retail. Although a lot of the big box retailers um, are actually faring okay. Um, They've kind of been favored, you know, in this whole COVID thing. It's more the small, untraded small business owner that's taken taken the brunt of of the COVID COVID, uh, uh, crisis, financially anyway. Let's talk a little bit about Roth conversions. I think this is something that, honestly, I think a lot of financial advisors just miss it. 
And it's an industry problem because most of us are not looking out for the overall well-being of the client as fiduciaries. Most of us in this industry, not nobody on this screen, but most of us are simply looking at uh, what product fits and not the holistic picture. Now, a CPA might be making some recommendations along these lines, but Matthews, I'll let you talk about the benefits of this a little bit. Yeah, we just mentioned CPAs. They're looking near term for this year. We're really looking long term on how we can do financial planning for their their whole uh, lifespan. Um, There's some options with Roth conversions where you would convert, say, traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. The amounts are going to depend on kind of your goals and your tax situation, but it's about managing those tax brackets and really figuring out the amounts that you're going to convert over uh, either lump sum or annually in different distributions. The reason to do that is although you might pay taxes up front uh, on the transfer in the future, the Roth ta- uh, grows tax-free and you're actually able to withdraw those dis- distributions in the future tax-free. Um, so you're taking that tax hit up front in order for tax-deferred growth uh, in the future. You know, you can get real aggressive with this based off of where you think tax rates are going to be in the future, but there, there's a sweet spot here. My vision for this is, is someone who's just stopped working they're not taking Social Security yet, uh, and they have an IRA, and they're living off of maybe brokerage money or savings for the next year or two before they transition into Social Security, Social Security and transition into maybe IRA withdrawals. But if you have zero income as a married couple, zero earned income, I should say, as a married couple, you can go up to 80000 plus you get your standard deduction, right? So you can probably go get a little more aggressive with it at the 12% bracket. So you pay 12% on that conversion where in the future, once the RMD kicks in, there's no way you're going to be paying 12%. I don't care whose tax code it is. Right. Well, you just mentioned RMD. Last year with the SECURE Act, they passed the 10-year distribution rule. So for non-spousal beneficiaries, you actually have to distribute the whole IRA within 10 years. After someone's death. Right. Right. So this is a legacy planning vehicle. You know, uh, a Roth is a lot more beneficial because that's passing tax-free and there's no rules on when they would have to take distributions or RMDs and they wouldn't be taxable the same. Um, so this is actually a very, it's a new thing that happened since 2019, but this more provides more benefit to the, the Roth conversions. Yeah. And that's a very good point. So you're doing it for estate planning reasons and you're doing it, if you're in this this sweet spot I described, you're, you're doing it because this is the lowest tax bracket you'll ever be in uh, going forward. And there's quite a few people like that. There's, there aren't a whole lot of pensions left anymore. So we're seeing less of those. And Social Security is not always fully taxable to a certain point. So even if you're on taking Social Security already, you still have a little window where you can, you can convert IRA to Roth. That's something that we go through uh, one client at a time and analyze their situation because we, we, we know our clients and their, and their situations that, that's something you can do for yourself as well if, if you're not a client of the firm and you're, and you're listening to this. For the younger ones that aren't nearing retirement too, a lot of times we're making recommendations on uh, you know, Roth contributions or traditional or a mix of that in order to plan for the future. So not the last minute planning before retirement, but go ahead and planning while they're younger in order to manage that. Yeah. you know We see that in our planning. Uh, this, is, this is different from Roth conversion, but a lot of people are just putting money into their 401k pre-tax where there's a, for young people, there's a huge benefit to, I, I like to see half, half pre-tax, half post-tax, especially above um, household income above $100,000, $150,000. But 
there's some great opportunities there and we see it in our planning the probability of success is higher if you have Roth contributions going forward not taking the full deduction today but getting tax-free money in the future that's another reason that the focus on that conversion is how how can I create a tax-free bucket down the road along with my income you know my taxable money and then I have my emergency savings and I might have a brokerage account on top of that good point all right, gentlemen, uh, enjoyed the conversation. The, uh, year in tax tax analysis or year in our year in financial checkup is now complete, and uh, I'm decorated for Christmas back here. I don't know what's going on with you guys. Uh, you guys got <laughs> some work, work here, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you next time. Thank you. Bye bye. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.